Hello world, this is Better Tech, a podcast where we chat with some of the most successful leaders about the latest industry developments. So join us as we explore the world reliant on tech. Hello everyone, welcome to Better Tech. So today we have Mike with us from Timescale. Mike, welcome to Better Tech. Thanks for having me. Sure. So before we get started, uh, can you give a quick introduction about yourself? Sure. I'm the uh, co-founder and CTO at Timescale. Um, Timescale is a five-year-old, roughly five-year-old uh, company uh, that builds a time series database and, and the cloud that offers it. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Um, I've, uh, I have a kind of a long background in distributed systems, storage systems, databases, um, beyond time scale, beyond being an entrepreneur, I, I'm actually also an academic. Um, I'm also a professor of computer science at Princeton, where I've um, been on the faculty for about 15 years now. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. So, Mike, I mean, how did your career uh, make a progression? I mean, how do you get started? Then, I mean, about your education, then doing sort of various roles or maybe starting various companies. Can you give a brief of that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, one thing I've always liked to do in from the beginning was I always wanted to build things that people use. And, you know, even when, you know, I said I a kind of a academic, if you look back at the work I always did there, it was about, you know, kind of building distributed systems and running kind of open source, deploying them. Uh, in fact, you know, one of the, it kind of first started my career um, in the early 2000s, at the same time, all of the work on peer-to-peer was starting to come out. And so I was very involved with the first um, kind of peer-to-peer systems. It was, yeah, the idea was it was starting to, this was before cloud. <laughs> and it was the idea that it was like kind of democratizing access to computing power. Um, many of the th- things that we sometimes hear about crypto now, but not with such financial incentives back then. Uh, and so I, for example, I worked on some kind of open source um peer-to-peer content delivery networks. Um, I, I first uh, actually deployed one in 2004. I, I ran it. It was it was running on for about 10 years. If you go to Slashdot, at the, which is no longer a thing, that's the yeah. pre-hacker news. Um, but if you go to Slashdot, uh, a lot of times people are using it to like cache content because we didn't have these clouds and all these technologies back then where it was easy to cache content for free. And that would get a couple million users a day. Um, you know, from that, I, I went into a lot of... Um, things around internet architecture. This was through my research career. I spent time at NYU and then Stanford. Um, actually, as part of it, one of the technologies that we developed, we, um, uh, myself and another uh, entrepreneur, Mar- Martin Casado, formed a small company around IP geolocation that was acquired by um, another company, which became Newstar. And, uh, and I was also very involved with the work that became software-defined networking. So if any of your readers are familiar with OpenFlow or software-defined networking, we were, again, looking at the ways how to enable developers. It was a lot of times about developers, you know, how to enable developers to use content delivery, how to enable developers to use programmable networks. And, uh, and so I was very involved with that, with that work. And, um, you know, after working at Princeton, I started getting much more involved with cloud architectures, um, distributed systems around, you know, geo-distributed services. Um, And that kind of led to what ultimately became um, the kernel of of Timescale. Mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, um, you also have done a PhD in computer science. So, I mean, what was your topic of research? I mean, you mentioned distributed systems, but was it also the same topic on which you did your PhD or was it? Yeah, my, my, the title of my PhD was kind of funny. It was called Democratizing Content Delivery or Distribution, one of those two. And it was related to that system. It was called Coral CDN. It was related to that system about building an open CDN. Um, you know, all of the... Uh, Algorithm, we, it was deployed about a thousand locations worldwide, a thousand pops. Um, the algorithms to make that all kind of self-managing to deliver kind of effectively. The idea was like you could point it at any website and it would start basically proxying um, kind of like the uh, free Cloudflare, if you will, peer-to-peer -peer Cloudflare. So, I mean, if you would like to uh, suggest like what time scale DB really is uh, in like uh, a layman term, how would you do that? So one of the best ways that I, to developers, is I say, we help supercharge Postgres. So right. if you think about Postgres as this amazing relational database, highly right. reliable, highly trusted, um, it's developed for lots of different use cases. And you know, general purpose tools become a little bit of, of kind of jack of all trades. And so um, what we do is we particularly, we're looking at things like analytical data, time series data, the workloads that you need to handle for those are different from like, you know, the CRUD database that you have sitting behind your web app. And so, you know, you have the same underlying technology that's often used for these both things, but they actually have very different needs because the workload patterns are, are different. What developers expect from them are different. The performance requirements are different. And so we have built uh, timescales implemented as, timescale DB is implemented as an extension in Postgres, although we have kind of, it's it's low level, it's written in C, it's hooks throughout the database, uh, but we effectively kind of supercharge it to make to make it work for analytical uh, workloads, time series workloads, and whatnot. So I mean, so, so you you touched upon Postgres. Now Postgres is, as you said, is a relational DB. Now how would you relate time series data to it? I mean, what in general or in easy terms, a time series databases. Yeah. So if you think about, and I like to often think about it as like, what do the, what's the type of data and what do the workloads look like? So if you think about what you're storing in the database there, you can imagine two ways to store it. Imagine um, you're keeping inventory, the simplest thing. Either you give inventory that says, you know, I have 10 widgets and five you know, foobobs. And when somebody buys something, you change the 10 to a 9 and then to 8 in place. Or you want to maintain an order book that says, hey, there's an event that somebody purchased a, a widget, purchased a widget, purchased a widget. Um, that representation of my actions as separate events, you know, I think about when they, they purchased a widget and you're going to keep a timestamp, right? You could also think the same as sensor data. That is, in the first events, was a discrete action that I'm recording in this event. Well, you think about sensor data, it's the stream of constant things I, I move into the system. And that sensor data could be, you know, IT observability, what my CPU is. It could be IoT data. It could be, you know, geo data. We have people who use us for logistics, where container ships are going, where trucks are going, where trains are going, where satellites are going. We have people using us in space. Um, that's all of what they're recording is information associated with the timestamp. And it allows them not to just look at an instance in time, 
but it allows them to look at how the system progressed over time. And so often we say that, you know, it's like the difference between an image and a movie. The movie mm-hmm. just captures so much more information that yeah. it's useful to be able to, sometimes you want a, a point in time snapshot, but with the right type of time series data, you could do that. You'd have all that historical data that you could understand how your application, product, system, people, whatever, change over time. Now okay. you can say, that's now a lot of data, so I need to worry about scale, I need to worry about performance. The importance of that data changes, of the, you know, the importance of the data in the last five minutes and five years ago is different. So there's lots of architectural decisions that, and, and usability things that arrive from there, but that has limits about recording information and associated with timestamps and looking at how things change over time. So, yeah, so essentially, I mean, you give, you give the analogy of a movie and an image, certainly that, that's helpful. Now, this time series data can be very much helpful in making predictions or analyzing or figuring out like what the pattern in the data is is going to be. Like, for example, yep. uh, in, in a retail store, we can see what the footfall of customers yep. like at a, at a given time. So for example, are they coming in more in the morning time or in the evening time or what's the sales time? I mean, is-, is Absolutely. To- and in fact, we have customers who are exactly the same applications. We have customers who do video analytics to look at traffic patterns. We have customers who actually do not video, but other type of sensor analytics to actually look at retail. Some of that is for counting. We saw some great customers who were using that type of analytics initially to enable retail and post COVID, they actually changed their business model to actually look at uh, urban density and, and building density to help with you know how bi- how how crowded are my are my uh, physical spaces. So um, there's yeah there's a lot of those applications where and you're right what time series data allows you to do is we say you know understand the past uh, you know like the analyze future. the past understand the present and predict the future and yeah, without. Yeah that historical data, you only have a, a really narrow snapshot in time. So, I mean, you you mentioned that you uh, actually selected Postgres for implementing time scale. Now, there comes the comparison of uh, an SQL or a relational database to a NoSQL database. So people talk about that in case of time series, there's a whole bunch of data. And maybe for big data applications, NoSQL is a better choice as compared to the SQL one. So what was the core uh, decision-making factor for you to go with the a relational DB and specifically Postgres as compared to other open sources like MySQL, for instance? Sure. So there's a couple of questions there. Let me uh, try to take them in order, which is uh, SQL versus NoSQL. Yeah, I think there's two things. One is I think the pendulum swings back and forth. You know, um, people were using SQL databases for decades. Maybe uh, ten or fifteen years ago, people were saying, "Oh," and the argument was a strange one. The argument wasn't that NoSQL was a better query language. The argument was typically that SQL doesn't scale. We need NoSQL. Yeah. Now, yeah. And I would say is like, actually, if you look at almost all the systems that said SQL doesn't scale, we know SQL, they've now actually built SQL interfaces. And so that comment was actually more about the underlying system architecture and less about the query language itself. Mm-hmm. And what you've seen, there's a whole wave of new, they're sometimes called new SQL. There's a whole wave of new data technologies 
people come to it from a different perspective. We come to it from the angle of analytical workloads, um, Postgres kind of supercharging performance. Some other databases come to an angle for reliability, you know, but I think there's a whole wave that people said, no, it's not about the query language. It's about what is the underlying architecture? And yes, maybe we were caught in a, caught in a rut with like, you know, Oracle, MySQL and Postgres had many of the same designs for 30 years, 20 years. And then people started saying, what are other changes we could make, not the query language? I think now if you look, basically every data system has adopted SQL. Even yeah. if you think about the data warehousing systems, like you mentioned big data, you could think of the successor of, 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 of Spark and Databricks. SQL is like one of the, is the most popular query language for most of these systems. Mm-hmm. Now, you said a second thing. Um, well, why Postgres? We just think it's, a, it's an amazing platform, highly reliable, highly trusted, great community. And it was kind of a no-brainer to us to choose Postgres if we were going down that alley. And in particular, when you sometimes think of time series data, you only think of here's that record. But what is often very also important is all the information around it. So what we found and what a lot of our users, it's not just the sensor data, not just the order. It's that you also want the relational metadata associated with it. There's an mm-hmm. order and you know next to it is a, uh, you know, a, a SKU, an object ID. Well, you want other relational data around that object ID or there's a device ID, you want other. So you really want the ability to join directly in your database. I could talk about timescale in a minute history that we actually didn't quite start building a database or building a platform and the lack of the ability to join between relational and analytical data was a huge problem with us. And that's actually why we built Postgres. One last thing I want to quickly say is you mentioned big data systems. I think there is a fundamentally a different use case between the data warehouse where you have the centralized repository that you're throwing lots of data in. And then after the fact, there's some data analysts, some data engineers and data scientists who are doing reporting, machine learning, whatever. That is what a lot of the big data systems came out of. While if you think about most, a lot of databases and time series and, and time scales use case, it's that we help developers build applications. So they're building customer facing applications. People aren't serving their website off of a Hadoop cluster. They are serving their website and their product and their SaaS app off of Timescale. All right, all right, okay. So as you also suggested like a few customer use cases um, in the retail and other fa- other industries where customers are actually leveraging time scale DB. So can you give example of like some of the key use cases that these customers are um, working with? I mean, yeah. what you have seen in your experience working with different clients? Um, yeah, um, so I think, uh, I mean, I mentioned some of those, you know, uh, IoT is a big one. You can think about all the device data. Logistics, often for similar reason. Um, smart manufacturing, smart agriculture, um, energy in the environment, you know, across a whole, you know, renewables, uh, oil and gas, solar, um, uh, ob- observability, um, kind of IT monitoring, uh, fintech and crypto, a lot of, you know, the order book data, the tick data, trade data, monitoring the blockchain. It's all form of time series data. Um, product analytics, things that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Like we have a number of uh, app, a, a number of customers in 
um, music or gaming. You know, I like to think, you know, 20 years ago, when you want to see the who the breakout music star is, you go to the smoky club and see what the crowd thinks. Now you monitor Spotify and SoundCloud streaming data. Well, yeah. that's time series data and that's analytical data. So, I mean, the way we sometimes like to say is like all, you know, I kind of, it's, it's a very um, Gartner-esque phrase about digital transformation. But I do think that basically, you know, all companies are becoming partly digital and data-driven companies. And part of that journey of becoming a data-driven company is you are collecting analytical data to understand it. And maybe the first phase is you throw in a data lake and you, you know, run a report or do some post hoc analysis. The next phase is you start incorporating that into the, into the customer experience and the product experience you are offering. And so that's kind of where we fit in. And that's why, you know, we just have such broad use cases across, you know, almost every industry. So, I mean, so time scale, I mean, um, it's all about time series data that you talk about. So there's a thing which is called like a time scale cloud. So what it is, I mean, and where, where you are hosting these services, is it AWS, it is Azure, or I mean, uh, how does that work? The time scale cloud specifically. Yeah. So we offer, um, we offer a managed service in all, um, AWS, Azure and GCP. Um, we made the decision as a company and especially as a startup, um, really to try to provide um, a great customer experience. And well, what company doesn't want to provide a great customer experience? But we do that by, by we uh, have taken a, a very specific kind of what you call go-to-market um, decision, which is that you know, we build TimescaleDB. It's open source. It's all on GitHub. You could use it, install it, whatever. Um, but our commercial offering is our managed service. So we don't sell on-premise an enterprise edition. We offer the best software. People could run it, embed into the application, self-manage it. That's all free. Um, but if you want a managed service, you know, if you want not just the managed service of the core database, but basically us rethinking what it means to offer basically a database cloud, what it means to offer an amazing database experience built for the cloud, not that I have my software and I'm going to, you know, have the same software experience in your in your on-premise data center, in your account, everywhere. Um, that's what we've, that's kind of what we built for uh, in Timescale Cloud. And so it's kind of a, a fully managed experience, um, you know, simplifies both kind of application development with a lot of the capabilities that we built in, as well as really simplifies the operational capabilities of what a a modern kind of dev team and DB ops team wants uh, automated HA and backup and forking and auto scaling and um, automated kind of tuning and being able to support many databases, dev test prod, migration things between different um, security zones. So all of that things that you want as kind of a kind of robust, reliable um, database experience. So, in your experience, you have seen uh, the time series databases catching up. I mean, are they becoming popular? More people are adapting it, or you think that still there's a quite a bit of gap in terms of the users who want to consume time series data, or they even don't know, or they are not aware if they need time series database or not. 
So I think what we've typically seen is the need for it is perhaps even greater than the awareness. And what I mean by that is, you know, if, if I walk through this use case, like probably a lot of your listeners are like, oh yeah, I've stored this type of data, right? And often what you do is, you know, you you turn to what you know. So you, you know, it's funny, a lot of the people come to timescale, I mean, maybe they're greenfield that they've, they're starting from scratch, but if they've already used something, they've already used what they're familiar with is you've to Postgres, maybe a, maybe a MySQL, maybe a Mongo, right? And it's more like, yeah, I know this database, I'm going to start start using it. But it's not designed for this analytical use case. It's not designed for, you know, time series data. So it doesn't handle the scale and performance and the ease of even analytical features that we've developed for this type of analytical queries. And so they kind of say, this is now really hard. It's not performance, it's not scaling. So that's when they start also looking for an alternative and they realize that, hey, I love a relational database. I love Postgres. And this allows me to use the tools I know, not have to worry like this exotic thing. I need to retrain myself. I'm not really, you know, there's always, developers always know there's gotchas, right? So they're like, well, if I go from Postgres to some like really exotic option, like what is the thing that's going to bite me six months from now? And I think the way that we've designed it, especially as part of the whole post, really just supercharging Postgres, really allays a lot of those concerns and kind of allows them for their next, you know, 10x growth. So how do you see time scale catching up? I mean, where do you see the company going in five years or 10 years time? I mean, you do you see it going on to the same trajectory or you think that you might pivot or you might expand the product portfolio? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not sure what we're trying to catch up to, but uh, I think you're more broadly asked, like, what do we see the future of of, of timescale? And, yeah. you know, I, I think the the uh, the future is really good. I mean, I think that the whole team is excited by the opportunity. I mean, one thing that has constantly been the case that every time you look at the market for data and databases, like the market is way bigger than like people realized. Like, I think it was like when Snowflake went public in their S1, you know, they said the entire total addressable market was X. And within a few years, their market cap was equal to X. So either they own 100% of the market, which is not the case, or it's yeah. just a much bigger market than anybody realized. And I think that's the case. And I think the case is that we just see every company is becoming, is digitizing, become data-driven. And, you know, it's a big opportunity. And I think the big opportunity is to say how to, and, and we also think like, again, as a business, we're focusing on, we offer an open source thing that we could use, but our business side of it focuses on the cloud experience. And we still think the cloud is still in its early days. It's a trillion dollar market. And I think it still has so much growth to have. And so, you know, we're building, you know, an amazing experience, you know, allowing people to supercharge posters for the cloud. And we think there's just a really big opportunity there. Sure. So, I mean, before we close, any sort of message that you would like to give out to developers, I mean, developing applications, how do you think they can leverage the time series databases and time scale in their products? I mean, and how they can sort of consider having time series data into their applications and making the life of end users easier. 
Yeah. So I think there's a couple things. It's a great question. Thank you. Um, I think there's a couple things there. One is one of the reasons you ask us like why Postgres, I said, we, we love it, but like one of the things we like about Postgres, I know it sounds funny is that um, I think our, our announcement blog post when we launched timescale was uh, when boring is awesome. And what we meant by that is, look, I think we're doing a lot of very cool engineering and building great technology at timescale. But if you're a developer, like your job is to build an amazing application. Yeah. It's not to become a database expert or a database engineer to build that application. So I view us as succeeding in both, you know, when you could really turn to timescale DB, timescale cloud, and it just works for you. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's boring. It doesn't keep you up at night. You sleep soundly with it. We, uh, and that is both reliability, but that's also performance. You know, as your load grows, all of a sudden things don't start slowing down and it stops working. And so I think that, I mean, a lot of this probably you're nodding because like as you gain more experience, I think that most people get that. Um, yeah. But I think that's a real thing. I think developers should, you know, it's a very creative task. They could focus on their applications, you know, pick a database and platform that they trust to to grow yeah. with them and they understand, you know, that doesn't have that, you know, weird corner case six months from now where all of a sudden everything breaks apart and need to totally replatform. Um, and I think in the end, like, um, you know, it's that balance between figuring out how to develop, you know, uh, efficiently and, uh, and yet do so on sound foundations. And I think we did that when we made our own engineering decisions. And I think that our kind of customers rely on us um, for that as they build on top of it. Now, in terms of using time series data, I mean, I think if you think about most times your applications, you're probably using a database a lot. And if you're, you know, many of your users probably already are realizing they're storing events, they're storing metrics, that becomes part of their SaaS, particularly if they're SaaS engineers, that, that becomes like a big part of their SaaS experience. If not, just ask yourself, like, is there important information either that I could use internally, dashboards, whatever, or that my users will like that I'm not currently exposing. And in fact, we could just do this in a data. We could we could really use capabilities in a, in a great database like Timescale to make this happen. Sure. So Mike, uh, in the end, thank you very much for your time today. And uh, I mean, enlightening us with your thoughts related to time series data as well as time scale in general. So I would like to take this opportunity to thank you and also request you to maybe host you some other time as well with another exciting topic, maybe an in-depth analysis of time series and time scale. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Mike. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Weathertech. We look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in our next episode. In the meantime, check out our other episodes at techcell.com slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.